The Way Out Podcast, episode 117. My name is Stephen Daniels. Um, I am 17 months, almost 17 months out of recovery. Uh, um, my addictions uh, included porn, gambling, overeating. Um, I struggle with anxiety and depression, uh, honesty, anything that would take me outside of myself. Porn is definitely not talked about enough. And I do feel as though that my story a lot of people in America or in the world could probably relate to it and that the shame is so big and so you know my goal is to tell my story. Welcome. Thank you for joining us on this week's installment of The Way Out. Sharing stories from people just like you who have recovered from alcoholism and other addictions. The Way Out does not speak on behalf of nor are we affiliated with any 12-step organization. Our purpose is to share with you one episode at a time, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. The Way Out Podcast is sponsored by Transitions Daily. Would you like to join a free, anonymous, online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. Don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. Make sure to check out the official website of The Way Out Podcast at www.wayoutcast.com. There you will find links to our latest episodes on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Radio FM. You can also follow The Way Out Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Help us get the message out that lifelong recovery from alcoholism and addiction is possible by giving us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. Have a question or comment about an upcoming or previous show? Call us right now. Area code 218-382-1960. Call us anytime, day or night, and leave us a message on whatever is on your mind. Maybe it's a previous episode topic or something that you're struggling with in your own recovery. Call us at 218-382-1960 and leave the Way Out podcast hosts a message and we could feature it on our next episode. That's 218-382-1960. Help us recover out loud. The Way Out podcast is on right now. I'm Charlie, and we've got a phenomenal interview for you with Stephen Daniels, who is in long-term recovery from both gambling and porn addiction. Stephen shares his 15-plus year battle with these addictions in an honest and authentic way, looking to smash the stigma and shame that's so often attached to addiction, especially society's awkward relationship to porn and the deafening silence and lack of conversation surrounding porn addiction. Stephen's story affirms that despite how our primary addictions manifest, whether it be drugs, alcohol, gambling, or porn, the root cause and the solution is universal. Stephen's mission to break the silence and smash the stigma of porn and gambling addiction starts right now listen up steven welcome to the way out podcast brother i can't thank you enough for the time this is actually take two uh because clearly i still have some work to do in my own recovery program 
So, Stephen, you um, are uh, able to now um, uh, try not to cuss me out uh, on my own podcast. Uh, and uh, uh, I have patience now. I have patience <laughs> and forgiveness now. Don't you yeah. worry about it. Uh, so let's uh, uh, introduce yourself to the Way Out podcast audience. And let's okay. talk a little bit about your story, brother. Uh, my name is Stephen Daniels. Um, I am 17 months, almost 17 months out of recovery. Uh, um, my addictions uh, included porn, gambling, overeating. Um, I struggle with anxiety and depression, uh, honesty, anything that would take me outside of myself. And so for me, um, you know, my goal here now is to go on as many platforms and radio shows and podcasts as possible to tell my story because, you know, uh, unfortunately, unlike alcohol or drug addiction, that is that is talked about. It's probably still not talked about enough. Porn is definitely not talked about enough. And I do feel as though that my story, a lot of people in America or in the world can probably relate to it. And that the shame is so big. And so... You know, my goal is to tell my story. Well, smash the hell out of that stigma right here, right now, because talking about those addictions, porn, gambling, and reducing the shame and stigma around it allows other people to know that it's okay to embrace a life of recovery, right? And uh, I can't thank you enough, Stephen, for coming on the Way Out podcast and recovering out loud with us. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to be here. So let's talk a little bit about your story. Uh, where does it start and how does it start in terms of – I love the idea, by the way, anything that could get me out of myself, I can so relate to that. And I think most of our uh, Way Out podcast listeners can relate to that idea that whatever our drug of choice, our addiction of choice, that's what it did for us. It took us out of ourselves. Even if it was a brief moment, it was a brief moment of fucking nirvana, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I the very first time I ever heard that saying was with my sponsor. Mm. And and I my jaw was dropped when I first heard it because I'm like, holy cow, that's me. Anything that can take me outside of me, I, I'll do. Absolutely. You know? So how does it start? So it probably started when I was a kid, uh, probably 12, 13, 14 years old. Um, I, I'm, I'm 30, so I grew up in the hip-hop era. Uh, I grew up in the era where, you know, Britney Spears' uh, Hit Me Baby One More Time was her in an in a outfit and a lot of cleavage. Mm. I grew up in the generation that BET uncut late-night videos had Nelly's tip drill video and there were half naked girls on it and you know for me my definition of women was already blown it was already smashed because of what I was looking at on a daily basis and I wasn't having the conversations with my parents about it so my sexual curiosity was was you know big from the beginning and so you know that allowed me or you know made me or you know excited me enough to really dive into it and look at porn and, and a whole bunch of other things. So for me, uh, that's when that started. And as far as gambling is concerned, you know, my nickname in high school uh, or in middle school was Sports Center. I'd walk in <laughs> and go, da -da -da, da -da -da. and you know, 
we would gamble on anything, you know, whether it was milk or your other pizza on your tray or, or lunch money. It didn't matter. A bag of Skittles. And, and so from the beginning, I was gambling on, you know, games who would win the following night, the prior night or fantasy sports I was doing since I was 14 years old. And so it was it was big for me. So it started early for you. And did the um, the experiences of engaging in porn and gambling, um, what did those feel like for you? I mean, was it was it a, a fairly significant experience the first time you engaged in either one of those behaviors where it was like, Oh God! Why wouldn't I want to do this all the time? Like this is great. Um, this is this is amazing. I mean, I think for me, at a young age, uh, you know, I would be up at night. I told you, looking at BET uncut late night mm-hmm. videos, and mm-hmm. I just I love I loved what I thought women were, mm-hmm. which were the idea think, you love that fantasy, right? Yeah, the fantasy for me was it. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. And then as far and as, what is and, fantasy but getting us out of ourselves, right? That's the literal definition of fantasy is to get us out of ourselves. And that's exactly what porn sells, yes? Yeah, 100%. And, and for me, sex, you know, I'm big into marketing and branding. And sex sells. No doubt. And I think, I think back in the mid-90s or early 2000s, you know, companies realized that, hey, we can – we don't have to worry about the leave it to Beaver days anymore, you know, mm-hmm. where where Beaver's parents slept in separate beds. That that shit doesn't exist anymore, you know. So for me, you know, I unfortunately grew up in the era where I was not. Uh, it was a very sexual era, and it was an era where parents really didn't talk to their children about the stuff. So I was. I'm not saying everybody did it. I don't want to make excuses, but I was definitely set up for failure from the beginning. You know, I always so. relate, Stephen, that twofold. I always believed that I was born an addict and an alcoholic, that I had big addict and alcoholic switches, and they were bound to get tripped, right? Oh, yeah. They were just bound to get tripped at some point. But also my environment played a role, and it sort of was like a the the – the kindling for the fire, right? In fact, my upbringing was the gasoline for the fire of my addictions, right? Can you relate to that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, if, if I'm correct in what you're saying, it was is mostly you can have a fire, but the moment you put you know lighter fuel into it, lighter lighter fluid to it, it blows up. Boom. You know. Yep. <laughs> I think for me that probably began in my 20s, early 20s. Um, you know, I, I was didn't have a real relationship, uh, at least for a little bit. And so porn and, you know, gamble and, and I don't mean gambling at a casino at that moment yet, but just, you know, betting on games with friends became pretty big. And fantasy football definitely manifested itself. That became on a Sunday afternoon from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Don't bother me. I am watching football for the fantasy football purpose of it. And, uh, you know, with gambling, it can be it, it's defined in the GA handbook as anything, whether for money or not, that depends on a game of chance. Mm. So, you know, for me, that was that was anything. And as far as you know, starting at a casino, I went to a casino for the first time at 21 years old, and I walked in with 200 dollars, 
and I played blackjack for four or five hours. And when I uh, was ready to go, I had $3,500. And as I'm walking out to go cash out, I had a purple $500 chip. I put it on the roulette table, bet it on black, and it hit. So I walk out with $4,000 from $200, the very first time I ever gambled at a casino. The worst. Yeah, right. Like the last thing a burgeoning addict needs is to win big the first bad. time out, right? It's the worst thing that ever could have happened. To me. <laughs> well, so tell me uh, how your addictions progressed then as you're moving uh, on in life and, you know, are relationships a part of your story at this point? Tell me how, yeah. how they progress. Uh, so I'm I'm married. I've been married for uh, seven years. In October was seven years. Uh, I've been with my wife almost ten years. And so, you know, she was pretty much there from the beginning of you know the gambling days at the casino and stuff. So, you know, as far as porn is concerned, porn was big always. Hmm. And then probably three or four, maybe two years ago. It depends on on when you really look at it. Uh, it really started being a thing that was porn started not to become enough. Mm. Um, you know, the, when it was all said and done, porn became, let's look on Craigslist, let's look on Backpage. And then... So your behavior escalated because porn was no longer producing this desired effect for you. I, I would look at porn four or five times a day, and it started to not be enough. Tell me about the effect that it has on you, right? Um, in terms of the way you feel when you engage in that kind of activity? Um, that's a really good question. I, I think that, you know, for me, looking at porn was a fantasy. It was something that I wasn't getting at home. Because, you know, you know, you're married, you're domesticated, you have kids. Those things on a porn just don't happen. And then on top of that, you know, it was something for me that just became uh, ingrained in my head. So what I'm thinking I should get with my wife, because I'm looking at porn, I'm not getting. So now I'm not, you know, it's, it's, it's much easier for me to go to porn than it is for me to try to court my wife or deal with my wife. Because and, porn does not have a headache. Porn no. does not, you know, get sick, and porn doesn't say no. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And so, you know, when that started not being enough, the porn, um, you know, I went to other places and looked for it. And Tell me to, you know, there is a physiological effect when I drink on my brain that doesn't happen in the normal drinker, okay? Mm -hmm. There's a physiological effect when I do drugs, Right, that is additional. There are certain, there are people in this world that can you know. And and I love. There's a video on addiction. We have the link on our previous podcast. So look at our previous podcast notes, okay, and and watch that video. But drug addicts and alcoholics respond to their substance physiologically different. There's a di different brain response. That goes on, and there's a bunch of chemicals that get released in the addict and the alcoholic that don't get released in the normal, quote-unquote, person. 
Is can you relate to that in terms of? Yeah, I could I could definitely relate to that. For me, when I went to rehab, I ended up going to rehab seventeen months ago, and in the program of rehab, you know, I was taught you know how things work with the brain, and so they showed me a brain scan of somebody that did porn, somebody that did uh, gambling, and somebody that did drugs, and somebody that did uh, alcohol, and why they were in active addiction, all of their brain scans were very similar. And so that scared the living shit out of me in every way, shape, and form. So that really, there was a reality there, and I think that's an important story and message for our audience, right? That the same transmitters, neurotransmitters that we're lighting up when we're getting high, the same neurotransmitters that we're lighting up when we're getting drunk, are the same neurotransmitters that we can light up with addiction, with with gambling and with porn? Yeah, totally, a hundred percent. And and I don't think I ever looked at two and two till I, I I realized I probably had a problem, and I started going to counseling before rehab. And then when I got to rehab and seeing how everything, like holy cow, you know, I'm an addict. So you, you know, have I'm, this event. You have this event. So tell, let's talk about that moment. That moment where you realize in very clear terms, I have a problem and I need help. Tell me about it. Well, you know, my wife tried to get me to go to to therapy for years. She sounds Uh, like an angel, by the way, an absolute angel. My wife is definitely an angel. There's nothing. (laughs) She is God's gift. I am not worthy of being with her. Um, Actually, I don't even say that anymore. I am worthy of being with her. I I try not to put myself down anymore. Good for you. Good Good for you. It's it's, uh, she's the best thing that ever could have happened to me. She's definitely one of God's angels. And she if she wasn't, we would not still be together. That's for sure. But to to go on to the story, um, my very last night of gambling uh, was very similar to the first night of gambling. Uh, I walked into a casino with two hundred dollars. Um, and I left there with about six or $7,000 in credit card debt because I, and, and I lost all that in 30 minutes. In 30 minutes, you lost thousands of dollars. Tell me about how that felt and tell me about, you know, the, the, the experience. Well, I walked into the casino, you know, I was already down, I think a couple of thousand maybe or 1500 and, um, uh, uh, whatever I was for that week. And, you know, I was like, I, I just need to bet aggressive on the roulette table because to me, you know, being at the blackjack table took too long at that point. Blackjack wasn't enough for me anymore. Roulette was the thing that I did because it spin the ball and it hit and then it spin again and it hit. And for me, that's what it did. And I would be at the t- I was sitting at the table and I just started betting aggressively and I started losing and losing and losing. And I would bet more and more and more to try to get out of it. And then I had this ridiculous out-of-body experience where I was looking at myself from afar, you know, felt like physically I was looking at myself at a table, and I couldn't move. I couldn't get up and leave. I wanted to, with every ounce of my body, to walk out of that casino. I couldn't do it. And that is that moment where we realize that we're powerless. Mm Mm-hmm. We are powerless over our addiction because despite every ounce of our being wanting to stop 
and hating ourselves for continuing and hating ourselves for using to the extent and amount and way that we did, whatever it was, whatever, you know, right? A hundred percent. And not only that, cross addiction started to play a a thing with me. Mm. So, you know, I went and lost all that money and I had some, some money on me left. I ended up going to a prostitute, felt guilty about that, then ate a whole pizza by myself, felt guilty about that. And so, you know, for me to, to deal with thousands of dollars of loss, cheating on my wife, feeling like crap, and then going out and eating a whole pizza because I just want something to make me feel better, I, I, I sat in that car at like 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, just crying my eyes out, praying to God, like, take the pain away, you know? And so at that point, I had just started going to therapy. And my therapist had uh, mentioned to me after my very first meeting with him that I need to go to rehab. After one session, he said, I need to go to rehab. And I looked at him like he was crazy. And I told him, I was like, I don't do drugs. I don't do alcohol. You know, I, I don't need to go to rehab. And then two weeks later, that that event happened. And, and you're sitting in your car. Yeah. Demoralized. The worst I've ever was the bottom. The bottom. Rock bottom. And we've now engaged into multiple addictions. Those addictions, we're using one addiction to try to, to, to take us out of the guilt and shame of, of, the other. Uh, of the other addiction. And is that the point you realized that you weren't in control of this thing? This week's Recovery Revealed segment is brought to you by All Recovery Rings and AllRecoveryRings.com. Would you like a medallion or coin from your favorite recovery program, hand-forged, into a beautiful ring? Go to allrecoveryrings.com and choose from over 15 stunning styles, all hand-forged by expert craftsmen. What are you waiting for? Do like I did and get your very own recovery ring today. We'll be right back with the second half of Stephen's story as we pause for another edition of Recovery Revealed, an opportunity to take a closer look at this life and recovery. One of the primary motivators that fueled my addiction and alcoholism was the relief. However fleeting it might have been, it provided from being me and living in my own skin. Drugs, alcohol, food, porn, sex, you name it, provided sweet relief from being me and exacerbated many of the parts of myself I was so desperately escaping through addiction and alcoholism, a cycle many of us are all too familiar with. The person I had become fell painfully short of the person I thought I should be, the person I was raised to be, and the person I so deeply yearned to be. The antidote to this self-destructive pattern is to begin to create a life I want to live instead of one that I want to escape. We begin to do this through a series of actions that have a transformative effect on ourselves and our attitudes and beliefs about our lives. The 12 steps and the fellowships that support them are a tested, tried, and true program of action along with a ready-made support system that provides this exact type 
of change. This antidote allows us to connect to a higher power, clear away the wreckage of our past, admit our faults, and give this to others at every opportunity possible. This process prepares us to live a life of service, one which allows us to get out of ourselves in the way our higher power would have us, as well as create a life we want to live, a life that doesn't leave us wanting a desperate escape, grasping for temporary relief from anything or anyone that will provide it. So if you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, there's one way for certain that will do for you what it has done for so many others. And that's the 12-step way. Now back to the second half of our interview with Stephen Daniels. Listen up. Don't forget, the way we get the message out to those who still suffer is to give this podcast a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. I did not have any control over being on my phone and looking at porn, whether it was going to a pizza parlor and saying, all right, I'm just going to get one slice of pizza and that whole slice of pizza turn into a big pie. And then, or, or, you know, going to a casino and saying, I'm only going to spend $200 and walking out with six, $7,000 of credit card debt. That's a good question. I think that I knew I wasn't in control probably before that, but my used to my wife used to always say something and I and I hated it, dude. She goes, You don't know what you don't know. Hmm. And I and I hated that saying with every ounce of my body. My wife was telling me that a few weeks before I went to rehab and when everything was starting to she was starting to find things slowly but surely, you know, stuff on my phone, mm-hmm. credit cards, like stuff here and there started to come out. And so, you know, she's like, You don't know what you don't know. How are you gonna get better? So, um, you know, when I finally went to rehab, I, I realized that this is something that is a disease and that I just, I will, I did not have any control over being on my phone and looking at porn, whether it was going to a pizza parlor and saying, all right, I'm just going to get one slice of pizza and that whole slice of pizza turn into a big pie. And then, or, or, you know, going to a casino and saying, I'm only going to spend $200 and walking out with six, $7,000 of credit card debt. Did that help once you realized that it was a disease, that it is a disease? Did that help reduce the stigma and the shame that you had around it? Yeah, I, I, I think the shame was huge. Um, the depression and anxiety in that last year and a half for me uh, was, was really big. I actually had depression and anxiety before that um, for, you know, ver- for for just a lot of things and but I, it really manifested itself uh in two different times in my life and one was right after my my first child was born uh for that that next year my wife told me that i was in depression she said i'd come home i'd eat i'd go to sleep i'd wake up go to work come home go to sleep and, and that was it and that's all i did for one year i don't remember my first year of my child's life at all and you know, I had so much shame and guilt from that as well as, you know, what I was doing and I was lying to my wife. I couldn't tell the truth. I didn't know what the truth was. I was telling lies everywhere and anywhere I could to, to cover up the prior lie. So, you know, for me, 
when I finally got to rehab and realized, okay, I didn't have any control over this, it was a little bit of relief. Um, but you know, I, 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 the guilt was still there for a while. Yeah. And then now, tell me about Stephen this idea that you had reached your bottom, and now you are engaging in a program of recovery. Uh, tell me a little bit about what that program of recovery did for you in terms of helping getting you well. And it sounds like you have, you know, co-occurring, you know, mental, mental health diagnoses. And I do as well, depression, and anxiety, right? Uh, and addressing those in parallel for me made a tremendous difference in terms of my overall well-being and the, my success in terms of being able to successfully manage my depression and anxiety as well as recovering from my addiction and alcoholism. Can you relate? A hundred percent. When I first got to rehab, I went to rehab in Northern Virginia, a place called Williamsville Wellness. Um, and if you need recovery and you want to go to rehab, go to this place. It's amazing. Especially for anybody that has gambling or porn addiction, that's a great place, but they do alcohol and drugs too. But, you know, for me, you know, I started realizing that I don't need to beat myself up. I need to be positive and take it one day at a time. And, and I thought that was such a cliche saying. But it right. And then and then when I got home, the day I got home from rehab, my wife, you know, we sat down. And at this point, she knew everything. She knew about the cheating and the porn and the credit card debt. She knew everything at that point. Um, and she said, I went to this place called Celebrate Recovery. And... Um, She's like, I don't know if it's for me, but I know it's for you. And uh, we went there that Friday night, and I don't think, you know, I, I haven't left since. I met my sponsor there. I started going to Gamblers Anonymous uh, four times a week, two times online, two times in person, um, sometimes three in person if I could get to a third meeting. And, uh, you know, those, those things, man, they were just great. You know, the gambling... The Gamblers Anonymous for me became something that I was able to, you know, talk about gambling and 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 really understand that it didn't matter if I lost ten dollars or a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars, it's all the same. And then as far as my men's purity group at Celebrate Recovery, I realized that porn is such an epidemic. Now talk and, about that because you wouldn't know it by. Yeah. Uh, identifying how little it's talked about, but based on you porn being consistently ranked among the highest visited websites, like right up there with Google, right up there with you know, um, uh, you know, YouTube, and yep. then you've got you porn in a in Stephen. I'm thinking it's not for the articles, so no. so. <laughs> Not, it's not in articles in any way, shape, and form. Um, you know, I go back to, to saying what I said in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, um, especially the early 2000s, sex sales. Mm. You know, Britney Spears hit me baby one more time was her showing cleavage in a skirt, and I'm all of 12 years old, and that's what I'm told that I should like. And so, you know, for me, porn became, you know, it, it's so 
it's so big. And and here's here's something I do want to make clear. So there are people that can drink alcohol and have one beer and it'd be okay. Correct. There's people in this world, Stephen, that have a couple of drinks and then switch to Diet Coke and don't think yep. about it one and more that, time that night. Yep, exactly. And there are people that can probably watch porn, even porn with their spouse, and it did, and it doesn't affect them in any way, shape, and form. And it might even spice up their love life to a certain extent. Sure. So I'm not saying that porn that is the root of all that's evil. You're not, not. You're not on a mission saying that porn should get be. Porn. No. What I'm saying is it should be regulated. I don't know how to do that. I think there's that we need to educate our young adults, not even young adults, young kids, mm-hmm. as early in, in America. The average person looked at porn for the first time at eight years old. Wow. Dude, I have two kids. You have kids. I have a 15-year-old and a 17-year-old. I don't even uh, – that that. but you know what? At at the tender age of, you know, I would say 14, I'm looking at uh, Penthouse. I'm looking at Hustler. I'm looking at, you know, whatever I can get my hands on, right? Yep. And, and it's and so for and that's one of the reasons that I'm telling my story and that, you know, my wife and I are in a very, very good place now. Thank God. You know, we're still working. We still go to marriage counseling and do things. But, you know, I, I remember the very first day I coming home and and we both said to each other that maybe God has it that this test will become our testimony one day. And so for me, I think going and telling my story and, and my goal is to go around the world and tell my story. I really want to do that. I think it's you know something that's not it's a powerful story brother that transcends in terms of uh the universal tenets of addiction and the universal tenets of recovery right yeah and the idea that whether it's a pizza whether it's a porn video whether it's gambling whether it's alcohol whether it's drugs okay it's getting, it, it, it's distracting ourselves from ourselves and then getting that sweet, sweet brain dopamine hit, lighting up those neurotransmitters like a fucking Christmas tree, right? And yep. the problem is what it takes to light them neurotransmitters up takes more and more and more. Meanwhile, like- we keep losing more and more and more and more porn and gambling almost wrecked my marriage um probably could have and would have cost me my life um out of out of all the diseases out of all the addictions gambling uh porn alcohol drugs the number one suicide rate is in gambling which i think is really crazy to think that about is a, that. that is crazy because the god knows uh the suicide rate amongst uh alcoholics for sure addicts um uh, is much higher than the uh, uh, than your than the population but it makes sense when you peel the onion back steven if you are now speaking with somebody um make like you're speaking to somebody in the way out podcast audience that is currently uh, struggling with a porn addiction, struggling with a uh, sex addiction, struggling with a gambling addiction, um, and uh, they don't know what to do, but they know that they need help. 
uh, speak to them? What I would tell anybody that's listening that has the same problems that I have, I would say, number one, listen to more stories like mine. I would go in and hear more stories because I think a big thing for me was hearing other people that sounded like me and what I was going through. I think the other thing that worked for me was therapy. I think mental health is something that needs to be addressed more in this country. And I think if you have a very healthy and positive way to talk about and safe way to talk about everything that's going on with you without judgment, I think therapy is definitely the best way to do that. I think rehab is an amazing tool only if you're ready to do it. And, and I say that specifically because you know, just like an alcoholic will say that, you know, your your disease is out in the parking lot doing push-ups, the same goes for any other addiction or disease. So what I really want people to know is that it's okay if you watch porn and struggle with it. And it's okay that if you gamble and you can't stop gambling, just realize that there's an issue and you don't have to feel ashamed about it. What you want to do is reach out. I'm, I'm starting a, um, a movement is the best way for me to put it. And it's called hashtag spread kindness, hashtag spread positivity, hashtag spread love. I feel like there are so many people in this world that are ready to commit suicide or deal with their problems in a negative way or keep on dealing with them because nobody is lending a helping hand. They don't know that other people are dealing with the same things that they're dealing with. That's why I am talking right now. That's why I am telling my story because even if it changes one person's life, it was worth it in every way, shape, and form. Absolutely agree, brother. And I love the way that you put that. Couldn't have stated it better myself. We need to feel like we're not alone. We need to connect to people who felt like us, thought like us, and did the things that we did in our recovering so that we know that there's hope. And we know that there is, and the podcast is called The Way Out Podcast, right? Those people yep. showed me the way out. Right. Those people showed me the way out. You just showed our listeners the way out of addiction, man. And that was your way out. And I love it. And I love the fact that you are recovering out loud and uh, helping people who are in a situation where they want to break free from an addiction with porn or gambling or whatever the substance. Again, we're lighting up all those same neurotransmitters no matter what we're engaging in, right? And you're not alone. And there's people that have dealt with and are dealing with the exact same things you are dealing with right this moment and you can get out of the hell that you've been in. You can get out of the self-imposed somewhat prison. And, you know, in retrospect, it was self-imposed by a series of choices. The first time I engage in the substance, it's my choice. After that, it's not, right? Um, so there's a way out. And the way out is to engage with other people that have a problem, the same problem that you had and recovered. Tell me a little bit about what life is like now. Uh, you know, nobody would want to recover, Stephen, if it was if recovery wasn't better than 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 addiction, right? So tell me what recovery is like. I, anything that I looked for in my addictions, whether it was gambling or porn, I now have in recovery. So. Um, through 
of fellowship and and going to so many different uh, GA and celebrate recoveries. I now I have really good friends. I have friends that truly care about me. I have male friends that I can relate to and talk to, and and that is an amazing thing. I also I have an amazing, honest, open relationship with my wife now, and I think that means more to me than anything in this world. Um, my wife knows that I have an addiction and knows that I fight it every day and she's there to be that solid rock for me and now I'm also returning the favor for her and and I'm being that rock for her so you know I have an amazing marriage now um you know we still look there's it's still not perfect and we still argue or uh, about some things but we know how to communicate now through marriage counseling and you know those tools that I've learned in marriage counseling and in therapy and in rehab and in recovery, I've been able to execute in my marriage with my wife. I've been able to execute as a father to my children. I've been able to execute, you know, in helping other people. So that's great. I'm also in the process of starting my own podcast uh, in springtime. I love and, it. Uh, you know, I'm doing that. I'm, I want to do motivational and public speaking. Uh, I want to talk to Congress and and politics uh, politicians about porn and how to regulate it. Uh, I, I want to be part of a board or a study or something to figure out a way to to educate young children about porn. Um, sex education is great, but because of this thing now, it's a totally different ball game. And I think we need to adapt sex education to this as well too. Um, and so I, I just want I want to help. I want people to understand that they're not alone. And so I have a lot of things in the works. Uh, if you follow social media, uh, all of my social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, is at Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, the right way, not the wrong way with a B. <laughs> at, at Stephen D. Or no, it's not at Stephen D. It's at Stephen D. S K P L spread kindness, positivity, and love. So at Stephen D, D is in dog, S K P L. And uh, I hopefully will have a website up and running in the spring and the podcast up and going in the spring. And I can't wait to return the favor, you, uh, refavor and have you on my podcast sometime this year. I'd love it, brother. I would love to be on. And thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Way Out podcast. We'll have Stephen's uh, social media uh, handles on all the platforms on the show notes of this podcast. So if you didn't get that, just check the show notes of this very podcast that you're listening to. And you'll be able to reach out to Stephen if you have, if you related to his story, man. If something that he said resonated with you and you want to reach out and you want to give Stephen a shout out, all of that will be on the uh, uh on the show notes so steven again thank you so much brother for taking the time to be on the show i really enjoyed listening i always i always find myself in other stories of recovery and i found myself all over your recovery story and it made me realize once again that i am not alone and that what used to be my greatest um, burden and my greatest um, um, uh, problem 
is now the way that I relate with people on such an amazing level. And I was Intimate. able to do that today, man. Yes. I, I, I really appreciate you having me on. Um, I just started doing this as far as telling my story is concerned. So I feel, uh, you, sh you should feel uh, privileged that you are like one of the first people to, to hear the story. And no, I, I really do. I, I am, um, what's the word I want to use? Grateful, but uh, um, I can't think of the word. But I'm very grateful for the opportunity to tell my story. Perhaps humility was, a, was the word that you were searching for. Yeah, I mean, that is, um, do you follow Gary Vaynerchuk at all? I do not. You should check him out. He's a really good guy. But he talks about being, you know, just positive and, and just understanding that love will overcome hate any day of the week. And so that's what I want to do. And I, I think that's what you're doing on your podcast, man. The closer that we can get to love in everything that we do, the better off I am and the more spiritually in tune I am and I'm never more in tune as to when I am expressing love 100% love I you mean. brother I love you too man I appreciate it thanks for being on the show peace out peace thank you for being a part of the way out we appreciate your ears we're sharing powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics every week so keep listening up if you would like to reach out to the show you can visit us on the web at wayoutcast.com. That's wayoutcast, all one word, dot com. There you can subscribe to the Way Out podcast on all of the major podcast aggregators, such as iTunes, CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podbean, Overcast, and more. Or simply drop your hosts a friendly email at share at wayoutcast.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, contact us at share at wayoutcast.com. See you next time. And remember, if you don't change, your sobriety date will.